Hello and welcome to episode 55 of the NFL Scotland podcast. There was 31 weeks from the Super Bowl until week one, but we can flip that number now as there are under 13 weeks until the season begins. My name is Cameron Holmes. My name is Paul Mitchell. Can you tell we're missing football? Hopefully we'll be able to fill the void a little with another great catch-up with Brown's Scottish punter, Jamie Gillen. We've jumped on the back of a great question asked on Twitter by Martin Ingram by asking, if you didn't support the team you do, who would you support and why? There's been some cracking responses to that. We'll also be sharing our own thoughts on who are the most appealing teams to anyone looking to pick a team for the first time. We hope you got your Spurs season tickets. We'll be covering that as well as all the latest news, including some details of a couple of things we'll be doing next season. This week we're delighted to join by our very own Gordon McGuinness. Great to see you again, Gordon. How's the close season been for you? Yeah, it's been nice. It's been a little bit quiet, but it's nice to have the draft out of the way and be looking forward to summer and football coming back again. The draft was quite something, wasn't it? I mean, they put on a show. Yeah, and it gets it gets more and more wild every year. And then now we've got Vegas to look forward to and then Cleveland after that, which is a strange drop from one to the other. I think I'm going to the Vegas one in Cameron. You're doing Cleveland, is that right? Yeah, you're probably. <laughs> <laughs> Well, we kick off episode 55 then by having another update with the pride of the nation when it comes to the NFL. Browns punter Jamie Gillen, he's had his OTAs mini camp is underway. We caught with him for all the latest to hear how he's been getting on. So delighted to be joined once again by the Scottish Hammer himself, Jamie Gillen. Good afternoon, Jamie. How you doing? You doing all right? Yeah, doing good. How are you getting on so far? It's been great. I'm enjoying every second of this uh, incredible experience that I'm having out here. So getting great coaching, great food, great sleeps at the hotels. It's, and I love Cleveland so far, so it's, it's been awesome. Now, you've had OTAs, you're into minicamp now. What have been the biggest differences that you found between college and the NFL? Honestly, just the whole speed and people's mentality going out to practice. Everybody's trying to get better. Uh, everybody's got the same wavelength as me, you know, with what's going on in my head, trying to get better, trying to, um, for me, punting, trying to get better at punting and kicking for, say, a defensive lineman. They're working on their craft all the time, putting in the work in the weight room. And for, the best part about it is I don't have to worry about going to class anymore. I just wake up, eat great food, lift weights, uh, punt, stretch, get the best coaching on the planet. It's, it's awesome. I'm, I'm loving it. And of course, congratulations on your graduation. That must have been a special moment for you as well. Yeah, it was good. Uh, the family were super happy. You know, I managed to get uh, college education for free. I know a couple of people have uh, hit me up on Twitter saying that you do get school for free in Scotland. And it's true, right? But it's just I got the food and the housing for free with it too. So I saved so much money, you know. Um, so I'll just let if people are listening to that that's why I'm saying it's free I got a full scholarship because I got everything else to go with it you know so got a free education and came out with a, I think it was a 3.1 GPA so it's cool it was good fun <laughs> absolutely so that's it you've clearly been performing in the classroom as well as on the field and like you say the focus is now on the field there's been some footage as well of you learning how to hold something that you know you perhaps didn't need to do because you were so you were such a Swiss Army knife on special teams in college. How do you find these new skills and learning those? Uh, so it was quite funny. I, I wouldn't say I, I couldn't not hold, you know what I'm yeah. saying? I wasn't just learning from scratch. I actually had to hold and practice for our backup kickers through 
college. So I always got practice at holding and I would always practice holding as well because I knew if I was going to get a shot to the NFL, I'd have to work on it. But, you know, now coming here, what I learned is it's so uh, the, the kickers are so particular on how they want that ball to be held. It's all about repetition and getting it perfect for them. So they have the perfect opportunity, obviously, to make the field goal. So for me, the, the biggest learning curve for that was becoming uh, a lot more consistent and having a perfect hold for them and being, as Coach Prefer says, uh, smooth and quick, not fast and jittery, you know, just because any if, if, if you, you know, catch the ball in a weird way and you jitter it up and down and you make it awkward and slam it on the ground, it puts the psyche off of the kicker for making the field goal. So you want it to just be one nice, quick, smooth motion, like there's been no effort involved, so the kicker only needs to concentrate on putting it through the pipes. And what about your new teammates then? Who's been sort of taking you under their wing and who have been the guys that have been looking after you? Definitely uh, Mr. Coco himself. Coco and uh, Greg, uh, Joseph and uh, Charlie, the snapper. I couldn't have asked for better guys to be around than them with uh, Austin as well. Uh, we get along really well because we... Like, for instance, me and Colquitt are in competition right now, but we're actually we're, we're, we're mates off the field as well. So we switch it on and off. So, we you know, we compete and stuff, but we give each other, uh, well, he mainly gives me tips and stuff. And, for instance, if I saw something, you know, if if I saw that he dropped the ball inside, you know, I might whisper, I think he dropped the ball inside there. But, yeah, and then he gives me tips too, you know. He's, he's been super nice to me. Uh, he's helped me out a lot. And... Uh, I respect him so much, you know, because he's made this transition 100 times easier just because of how he has been with me and teaching me, you know. And like we talked about a while ago, for me, it was just the opportunity of working with someone. You know, he hasn't been 10 years in the NFL for no reason. He's he's an incredible punter. And to be able to learn from someone like that is just such an awesome experience. So um, I know that I'm a completely different style of punter to he is, but... I'm told the sort of tips I get from him are more like situational uh, tips of where we're at in the field and what he would, per se, choose to do uh, in that uh, like aspect. And then just giving me tips on um, really anything to do with being in the facility and what's right and what's the wrong thing to do and stuff. How much have you had to change the rest of your lifestyle? Obviously, you're, you're doing things differently on the field, but off the field, have you had to step things up or make major adjustments? Or were you largely learning out of college the things you needed to do for the NFL? I feel like I learned out of college. You know, I, I had my fun in college, you know, uh, but now, for instance, it's it's more of a, when, I, when I'm out in public, I've got to represent the Cleveland Browns well. You know, I can't be doing any silly stuff that will have a negative impact on what's going on 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 in this program so i'm always conscious of what i'm doing if you know if i'm going out to a pub to have some food and say i'd like to have um, an alcoholic beverage you know i'll I'll have one but i'm not going to be posting it on social media if someone wants to get a picture with me i'm making sure that's out of the the picture you know Uh, i just don't want anything to make the the program uh, have a negative impact on the program for social media because you know how social media can be. So um, I just tried to be super careful with that. And then also just meeting new people and stuff. I've been going to local rugby 
and uh, helping out a couple of the kickers at the local rugby teams and stuff, uh, giving them some tips and just trying to give back a little bit, you know. So it's been fun. Oh, it's brilliant to see you engaging with the community already and it's great to see as well people from the community engaging and talking about you obviously since you kind of broke onto the NFL Network and the coverage really the hype has grown and the chat has grown how have you coped with all that you know because that still continues even now yeah well with the hype aspect you know uh, I, all the all the outside extra stuff for me I think is, is, is awesome you know it's really nice to hear that the nice things people have to say about me and the support behind me is really awesome. Um, and a lot of people would maybe fold under that because they have to, they think they've got a super high expectation. Everybody's got super high expectations of them. And they let that get the better of them. For me, um, I have no disrespect to anybody. I'm, I'm just focused on myself and what I, I know I can do. So I'm just kind of, I'm trying to think of the right word here. Just I'm content and I'm happy. And I'm enjoying myself. You know, if I wasn't enjoying myself, I would walk right out of that door. If I didn't believe in myself, I'd walk right out of that door, you know. But I believe in myself. I'm confident. I'm having fun. And, yeah, I've, you know, I've had a couple of hiccups. You know, I might have had, a, like, one not-so-hot punt. But that doesn't mean the next one is not going to be good. I just You forget about it. You go on and you kick the next one great, you know. Um, so... Just lots of learning experiences like that. And everybody who has nice things to say and have their opinions on me, you know, I think it's nice of them to listen, even the negative ones too. Just interest, it's interesting to see what some people have to say and maybe prove them wrong. Uh, but it's awesome support though. And I, I don't let it get up here. I just, you know, appreciate it. Like the post, you know, or comment on it, thank you or whatever. And then, you know, carry on with what I'm doing. Brilliant. I mean, there already seems to be chat that people are picking up quickly on how well you can punt the ball. Have you had an opportunity yet, though, to show some of the other skills that you've got? Maybe to show some of the coaches that you can add more than just punting to some of these special team plays? Yeah. Um, well, Mr. Peter knows that I did all three in college. Um, his thing is, he, you know, I'm here as a punter and a holder. So um, I need to prove myself at that because it's not it's not easy right now beating out, trying to beat out a incredible veteran you know i've got to really prove like i i am worth that so um the other stuff that i can do i kind of put to a side because i'm not going to forget how to do that you know like yesterday in minicamp i was drop kicking the ball and stuff and people thought that was really cool and awesome but i'm not going to make it like a big deal because that's not what i'm here for yet but maybe if if things hopefully work out and later down the line and they, they, they see it's, it's working and it's awesome. Maybe we could implement some cool stuff. But he knows that I can kick field goals. He knows that I can kick off. But he's not worried about that just now. He's just worried about me. Not worried, but he's just wanting me to concentrate on punting and holding. And it, it, I'm never going to forget how to, to kick off or a field goal a ball, you know? No, absolutely. Now, if you had the chance, obviously, the hype came with the Scottish Hammer nickname. Um, based on that, was there anyone that came to you wanting to meet the Scottish Hammer? And more importantly, what Scottishisms have you added to the Cleveland Brown teams? Because clearly they need a little bit of Scottish if they're winning the Super Bowl. <laughs> there's, there's, there needs to be some Scotland in there. So what have you done to make sure that's happening? Uh, so I've met, so a few people have like recognised me and stuff, including us, like the Scottish Hammer and stuff, and it's all pretty funny. Um, in terms of adding Scottish stuff to uh, this team at... I probably should do more, but I haven't. I'm just kind of being myself. I mean, I was thinking about one day wearing a kilt into uh, one of the practices or stuff just for just just for fun, you know. Uh, but honestly, I'm just toeing the line right now. I'm just trying to 
not not uh, ruffle any feathers by doing something different. You know what I'm saying? I'm trying to I'm trying to get on the team first. You know, <laughs> so um, absolutely. It's, <laughs> Yeah, I have fun with it. There's certain words that I use, you know, that, that we would use and stuff that, uh, you know, I'll use here and people pick up on and think it's really funny and try to use it and stuff. So maybe in terms of that aspect, like of the language that I use, sometimes they, they pick up, some of the teammates pick up on it and think it's funny and start using it. So um, that's probably about it. How have you found working with some of your new teammates about them understanding? Have you had any issues? I mean, you, you speak very well, so it's not a major issue, but, you know, we've found when we've had NFL live events here in Scotland that some of the players really struggle with the accent. Have you found yeah. anyone that can't understand you? And more importantly, the other way, is there anyone that you've kind of gone, whoa, I'm not used to the sort of thicker accents? Right, um, no, well, <laughs> my... So my mum's from the north of Scotland, right? And my dad's from Edinburgh. My dad went to boarding school. My mum calls me uh, a post jock for the boarding school and stuff, you know? So I've kind of got a toned down accent already from, you know, being the boarding school and stuff. You know how it goes, you know? And uh, and even just, I've lived here for so long, I've, I've picked up a little bit, I would say, of an American twang at the end of what I say. So I never really have any problems. But there's been a few times, though, where I've been, like, talking real fast or like we're doing something and someone's looked at me and like, dude, I have no idea what you've just said. And, you know, I've had to explain myself, you know, <laughs> but it's not been that bad. I think it's been pretty good and I've understood everybody pretty well because, you know, going to school in Arkansas is pretty south. So I've kind of experienced it all from the Maryland accent, you know, to the Arkansas accent too and stuff and, and Louisiana. So I've been all right. Brilliant. Um, so what's the plans then? What's the hopes for the next couple of weeks and months ahead? as you prepare for the for the season ahead, hopefully? Just to keep getting better, stronger, uh, consistent, everything to do with my punting and holding. I, I, my goal is to be the best holder in the in the country, the best punter in the country. You know, I, that's, I, I wouldn't be in the position now if I didn't set high goals for myself, you know, because uh, it gives you something to really work towards. You know, I've, people have noticed that I've got a big leg and stuff, but you Sometimes when when you can have a real big leg, but you can be inconsistent, and I'm not saying I'm inconsistent, which I, I'm I'm not, but it, you want to be as consistent as possible. And then with the holding aspect, I want my kicker or the whoever's kicking with me holding to have complete faith in me holding. And it's been going really good. Like for I was holding, I've been holding for Greg and uh, you know the guy who the uh, Mister uh, Greg Joseph who kicked last year. The past two weeks, and then yesterday in minicamp, he's gone a hundred percent with me holding during team periods, and that's uh, I think that's a really big step, you know. And we've been we've had good timings, we've had we've been the perfect timings a few times, you know, so it doesn't get blocked. And I, I, I'm just, I think I'm showing everybody that I'm just going to keep improving. And then with the weight room program we have here, you know, my coach is uh, Coach Gibson, and he is specifically you know helps out with uh, specialists and other people too but he writes my programs out for me and this is the best my body's ever felt the the exercises we do there and all the hip mobility uh floor mobilities uh it's not just about getting under the bar anymore it's functional lifting for your position so it, it, this is the best my body has felt and i've only been here for what three weeks three weeks or so so I mean, just oh, wait until another another couple of months. I'm gonna be like a V8 diesel going down the <laughs> going down the field, you know. So this is awesome. I'm loving it, and I get fed 
so the best food in terms of like a cafeteria food. Like we're eating swordfish and steak and potatoes and stuff and rice for lunch. And then breakfast is, you know, oh, a whole array. It's whatever you whatever you feel like that day. You got oatmeal, you got fruit, you got smoothies. And the smoothie lady always makes me the most bomb smoothie I ever had in my life. And then you got you know, the eggs and bacon, and then for dinner, they feed you as well. So you're just running on constant great fuel, you know, so I'm loving it. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think you and me will agree that Scotland is obviously the greatest country in the world, but when it comes to food, yeah. nobody beats America. You're in the right place for that. Yeah, and I'm all about, like, quantity and stuff too, you know, <laughs> so they produce quality and quantity, and I love it. <laughs> So I'll not take much more of your time. A couple of quick questions to wrap it up. How do you find the movement to Ohio over Arkansas? How does it differ as a state and as a city compared to where you were before? Well, you know, in Cleveland, it's, uh, it, it kind of reminds me a little bit of Edinburgh and Ways, or, uh, you know, because it's the city atmosphere. Actually, coming here made me realize how much I missed the city because Pine Bluff really isn't a city, you know. And then you got Little Rock, which was above me. Uh the only th- the difference is is that for one of the differences obviously is that Cleveland has the Cleveland Browns you know has has a professional football team here. See, Arkansas doesn't have a per- uh, professional football team, and the fans here are die-hard fans, and it's awesome to see. Uh, there's no fair weather supporters here. It's they're going through thick and thin, you know, with the team here, and I think it's awesome. And they show so much love to the Browns, you know, represent their team, and it, it's awesome. So I noticed that. Uh, and I got a really good vibe from from the town here, from the city. Sorry, and it's 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 really just fantastic to be around. And um, it, it, I, I do like Pine Bluff, but I'm really enjoying Cleveland right now. Brilliant. Uh, last question then before we let you go. Obviously, there's a lot of hype about the Browns. There's a lot of people already talking them up as a Super Bowl contender. Can the Cleveland Browns win the Super Bowl in 2020? I love what's going on here. I love the atmosphere, and I don't see I don't see why not because I've seen the leaders that we have in this team and how how much work they put in. And these guys really put in work like you wouldn't believe. You know, they're here from six in the morning, you know, and heading out late at night watching film, endless, endless film, and I'm seeing how much work the guys put in. And I don't, I don't see why why this team wouldn't wouldn't go because they put in the work and it's awesome watching them out in the field making plays. So that's all I got to say about it. Brilliant, Jamie. Listen, thank you so much for your time. We'll hopefully catch up with you again in a wee while and get another update on how you're getting on. But we wish you all the best and we've loved watching the journey so far. We're going to really enjoy watching the rest of it and all that's to come. Awesome. Thanks very much for having me on again and uh, thanks for supporting me all through this journey. It's great to have that behind my back, you know. So thank you. So another great catch up there with Jamie and you know once again his attitude is brilliant. I don't think anybody would be jealous of him would he? Oh he just sounds like he's having an absolute ball over there and also what I love is just the straight down the line professionalism. He sees this for what it is an unbelievable chance to play in the NFL and he will go the whole way to make sure that he gets his proper chance and if it comes off brilliantly if it doesn't he's leaving nothing behind. Um, Gordon, he mentioned in that interview that this is the best he's ever felt. You know, he's managed to achieve that with the Browns in just a few weeks. The level of professionalism between college and the NFL is going to be so much better. It really is a great platform for him to grow. 
Yeah, it's something that through talking to coaches before, there's not a lot of special teams coaching it at the college level. It's all quite, you know, the tight ends coach also looks after the kickers and punters. And so the fact that he's now gone to the NFL where he gets that extra specific coaching is going to really help take what was just incredibly talented, strong leg and mould that into hopefully something that could be a real force in the NFL. Now, one thing, Paul, that he mentioned there was that he's not managed to get a lot of Scottishisms into the Browns training so far. Now he's the new guy, and we've seen from Hard Knocks that the new guys don't tend to get the opportunity. If anything, they're going to force Americanisms on him, I'm sure. But I think we need to fix this. I think we need to ask the listeners and get people's input on how Jamie can add some Scottishisms to the Cleveland Browns. Yeah, I think we should just get some great Scottish phrases. Had your wished. I think she'd be the first one he should go for, <laughs> simply because phonetically it's brilliant and nobody would have a clue what he was on about. So had your wished, I think would be my nomination, but I'd love to hear others. I'm thinking, yeah, something like that would be great. We saw it with, um, oh, I'm trying to remember who it was, the backup quarterback at the Bears, I think it was, was shaking the hands of the players when they were coming off and they didn't know who it was. I can't Oh, Chase it. Daniel. Chase Daniel, that was it. And I thought that was brilliant content. We need to get Jamie going up to some of these Browns players and saying, Hadjawisht, what do you think it means? You know, we always <laughs> get this nonsense when they come over to London with the, the players. We want the Scottish version of that. But yeah, do get in touch with us. Let us know any other suggestions. Uh, we love chatting with Jamie. We're going to speak to him again, hopefully uh, in a couple of weeks, maybe a month's time and see how he's getting on. Um, so we'll set the challenge and see if he can rise to that one. So moving on from that then, and we shared this on Twitter, and it's a great talking point, Paul. So I think we're going to cover this now. But uh, Martin Ingram sent a tweet basically saying, if you didn't support the team that you do, and you'd come into the game at a different time or under different circumstances, do you think you would support another franchise? Who would it be and why? So we posted, we shared that, uh, loads of responses to this, to our tweet, but directly to Martin's one. I'm going to run through some of these because I, I definitely think there's some themes here. So Matt Inkster, NFL, he got in touch. Um, he's a Patriots fan. He says, I think my love of country music in recent years would have set me up to be a titan. Um, Maven X says, probably 49ers or Browns. 49ers are my dad's team and the Browns due to the current buzz. Uh, Rachel Moody, first game I ever saw on TV was the New York Giants and Tiki Barber ran the show. So that was me, a Giants fan. Unfortunately, she also supports Sunderland. So that's probably a glutton for punishment and she would still stick with them as her team. Graham Muir then says, Packers would be my choice now. Fan-owned team, small town base, very opposite to my beloved Cowboys who have the opening credits to the soap opera Dallas to thank for me choosing them in the 1980s, which I still think that's the most unique reason for picking a football team. <laughs> that, that is brilliant, of course, because it was in the opening credits. If people remember back or go and watch it on YouTube at the old Cowboys Stadium, you got a flash of that. I wonder if Jerry charged them for that. <laughs> uh, Derek Hill, who's a Bears fan, he says, if I watched the NFL for the first time last season, I'd have to say that Patrick Mahomes was box office to watch. And if he had to choose a team, it would be the Chiefs. Um, Graham Munchie points out that the question is basically, are you a glory hunter who picked your team as they were winning when you got into them? But I don't think that's everybody's story. Uh, Francis Johnson says Redskins first appeared on Channel 4, was devastated when Marcus Allen ran all over them for the Raiders. But Theismann, Riggins and Hogs were my team and the Skins still are. Um, Richie says probably the Browns, historically rubbish, but finally looking like they could progress. Loyal, hardcore fan base. Still a rubbish name for a team, though. 
Grumpy Kelpin. He says, Channel 4 showed the first Super Bowl between Washington and Miami. I chose the Redskins. They won. Been a fan ever since. If I was coming to the game now, I would probably choose Jacksonville for the decision to play in London every year. A um, couple other ones and got in touch as well. Anthony Wood, he's already done this. He says when he started, um, he was a big Gronkowski fan. You started watching when the NFL was at their peak Gronkness, as he puts it. Um, but then he decided to follow the Texans instead, and he couldn't choose any other after that. Duncan Terry, uh, who we've had on the show, he was already a Seahawks fan, but if he'd seen the Saints onside kick in the Super Bowl first, it might have been them. Uh, Craig Fowler. Uh, from the Terrace, if you watch the Terrace on TV, he says that yes, he probably would have changed. Um, the Cowboys was his team and they were great, so he picked them at the time. When he got into it and he's kept that flame going, had he not, he probably would have been a Steelers fan. I'll be honest, there's absolutely loads of these. You know, there's loads of people saying they love the 49ers in the 1980s, but then they switched to the Packers. Um, loads of people saying that, you know, they saw Dan Marino and he let it up, so they've been a Dolphins fan, but if they came to it now, it would be something different. So to that point, guys, what drew you, and we've touched on this briefly, but let's touch on it again. Just what was it that drew you to your team and what would draw you now to a team? So what drew me first to the Ravens were, it was the first game I saw, it was them and Oakland in the AFC Championship game. And it was the whole kind of defensive underdog idea that I really liked. And I think it's something that's almost ingrained in us as being Scottish, that you, you want to root for the underdog. And I saw someone tweet something recently in terms of football, and it was re regards to people who support, say, Wraith Rovers, but they're also a Man City fan. And people hate this because you're supposed to be Scottish and you're supposed to just enjoy the misery. So I, I think that, that level of kind of underdog, I, I think I would probably go for someone like the Browns, or as much as it's sacrilege for a, a Ravens fan to say this, the, the brand of football the Steelers play is probably something that would have drawn me to them as well. See, I didn't root for the underdog. I mean, an underdog would have been great. I had a puppy. <laughs> uh, the, the Saints were dreadful. Uh, barely. Had, I don't think they'd had a winning season uh, when I started to follow them. Uh, so I followed them for two reasons. One is uh, I had a great love of heraldry at primary school and the fleur-de-lis I used on a shield that I'd painted. Um, and when I saw the logos, that drew me. Add that to the fact that they'd never won anything, never been near the playoffs. That's perfect for me. You know, I'm thrown. I don't want the, you know, the headline act. So that that was perfect. That's why I went with the Saints, and they've gotten better over the years, which has been it's been great. It's been a great journey as far as that's concerned. But now I'd be exactly the same. I'd be as thrown as could be and say, who's rubbish? Um, and probably now I'd I'd be looking at somebody like the Buffalo Bills. You know, I, I like their colour scheme, I like their ethos, I like it's a small town team, it's a big deal in Buffalo, yeah, they've got the Sabres as well. It's not particularly warm or hospitable or something like that. So I'm very much, you know, I would look, if I was going now, I'd be looking at the worst couple of teams at each conference because that's roughly how my brain works as far as that's concerned. The only downside to the Bills is it's not really somewhere you want to go spend two or three weeks. <laughs> uh, not in December. No, not in December. And given the fact that I'm a huge Tampa Bay Rays baseball fan, ironically, I might have then ended up as a Buccaneers fan simply because of the, the ge geographical nature of it. And my reason for picking the Niners is very much geography. You know, I went there as part of my honeymoon. Um, up until that point, I actually enjoyed watching the game as a neutral. I enjoyed the fact that I didn't really have a team yet. So I could watch any game and enjoy it and naturally picked someone that I maybe wanted to see win. But for the, I've always had the interest in 
different variations. I don't like seeing the same team win again and again and again. I think that's why a lot of people are so anti-Patriot now is because they're just bored. It's not necessarily... Well, actually, other than the cheating. Anyway, that's another thing. That's another pod altogether. I was, um, a, I was a Patriots fan for less than 24 hours. Oh, you were, but again, Earlier we'll on this on. year. <laughs> we'll move on from that. Um, so I think that, you know, San Francisco for me, there is also the tie to my football team here in the sense that it's Reds. You know, I'm an Aberdeen fan, uh, both playing Red. We're both very successful in the 80s. So it just felt like this is my team. Um, if I was to repick now, I think I'd be a Bears fan. I think that the Chicago Bears have got that sort of were once good but really haven't been for a long time. Um, I've been to Soldier Field. Um, I actually went in very much in neutral and came out of it with a real soft spot for the Bears. And that's weird because the Bears are a bit of a rival of the Niners as well over the years. But um, I like a lot. I like the uniform colours. Maybe the navy blue makes me feel of Scotland, I don't know, but yeah, the Chicago Bears would probably be the team I'd go to, or the, the Jags, because I've seen them so many times in London as well, I totally agree with that comment, I think that that's fair, naturally seeing a team more than once, you start to build an affinity, I also felt massively sorry for them, um, <laughs> having seen them get horsed by the Niners and the Cowboys, and then they grew, and that was lovely, so yeah. Did they not have a good win against someone? Nope. Nope, they did not. <laughs> <laughs> didn't happen? Didn't happen. I didn't think so. And the other thing, I mean, I, I, if you had said to me, pick a team for you, given what you're wearing today, your Chicago Bears style jersey, and we'll get a picture of that up on Twitter for those that can't see it. I thought that was a giveaway, so I should have put money on it. So what, um, if someone was coming to the game new though, and you're basing this purely on style of play, who do you think are the franchises right now that are going to pick up those... I don't want to call them bandwagon jumpers because I don't think that's necessarily fair. Um, you're naturally drawn to the, the the teams when you're coming into cold and you're coming in without an affinity necessarily to a country with no particular part. What are the teams and the styles of play that you think would be drawing people in? I think the way the NFL is going just now, the, the kind of spread out passing game is something that is just going to grow and grow. So teams like Kansas City, the LA Rams, the Cleveland Browns now with all the talent they've added. I think if you're if you're getting into American football now, that's probably going to be what's drawn you in. And those are the teams that I think are more likely to, to attract people. And I think that's where, one, we're going to see them in a lot more primetime games because of that. And two, it, it's just going to be the kind of leaders in terms of offensive production. See, I'm a big stadiums guy. You know, I love stadiums. And my in, I'd be influenced by the stadium as well if, if I had to choose. I mean, I mentioned Buffalo for losing. There's nothing particularly special about their stadium. But if you look at somewhere like Soldier Field, which reconfigured absolutely beautifully into that area, you look at, well, you just got to look at Cherry World. I mean, the Dallas Stadium, which I'm lucky enough to have been to, is just outstanding. Uh, the Patriots Stadium is pretty good as well. I mean, it's great. You can go in, you can have a look at it. Um, Seahawks fall into that category as well. There's some that you wouldn't I mean. Detroit just looks like an ordinary dome. The Saints looks like an ordinary dome, but when, when you're sitting in it and the atmosphere, but I don't think you'd pick that up necessarily off off a of television. So I tend I tend to look at stadiums and colours of teams and th- you know things like that. You can be put off by colours because your football teams. Rivals, so you know, I mean, the Jets are a non-starter for me. You know, something like that. Um, so yeah, I think there's other factors. I think the best thing that people can do is just not go for the most obvious. If you want to go for 
the team that has won the most in recent years, if you've got a good valid reason for going, you know what, I really like them, I like Tom Brady or I like Gronkowski, I like the style of play, you go for it because the good thing about the NFL is probably in five, ten years' time, they won't be winning as much and are you going to stick with that team? And to back you up on your stadium point, I think that the fan base comes into play there. And I think that the Browns, if you look, if you start looking into the fan base, the, those Browns fans that have stuck with the team. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, Jamie touched on that in his interview. He couldn't get over that these fans are just so passionate about the Browns, you know. Um, where he was staying and where he went to college, there wasn't that NFL team. Now he's in an NFL city and everybody's talking about the Browns. You can't help but be drawn in by that. And I can't believe I'm going to say this, but yeah, when it comes to Seattle, um, I'll be honest, if I'm looking at it from a fan experience point of view, going into a, a stadium, making so much noise and jumping up and down and putting off the other team and being in an intimidating venue, you're picking Seattle. Yeah, um, I mean, sometimes the hipsters do spill their coffee, which can be a problem. <laughs> um, that, that, that is the hardest part of being a Seattle fan, apparently, gets getting coffee spilled on you. <laughs> I'm, I'm that, I didn't say that. It wasn't the Niners fan. Um, I think that, yeah, Dallas Cowboys... Uh, you got to look at that as well and that great um, video that we saw with Paul Stewart and uh, touched on that you know they are a very passionate fan base they call themselves America's team because they believe that they are they do have a big following um, opposite ends of the spectrum the team that you're probably not going to support is the Jets then because they just boo their own team no, you don't want to be well, part the of that. Philly as well. I mean, yeah. Philly fans are reputedly, you know, a little bit difficult. I mean, Baltimore's got a bit of a tough reputation sometimes, but certainly in in the book Next Man Up, which I read, there seemed to be a great affinity between the fans and the team in Baltimore. Yeah, there's. I mean, I think the last couple of years that there was a lot of there was a lot of pushback to the whole kneeling at the anthem thing, like there was in a lot of other cities. Um, but in general, they're like a really passionate sports fan base between the Ravens and uh, the Orioles as well in baseball. And I think because of the way the city's set up, everything's kind of around that harbour area. So there's a, a bit of a community um, in that sense as well. What puts me off about potentially New York teams? I mean, New York's a great place to go. It's dead easy to get to the stadiums miles away. Um, I mean, the great thing when we were in New Orleans, I mean, simply it was a walk from our hotel back to the sports bar 10 minutes later. It was a brilliant experience, you know, and you're not wasting time travelling, you know, out for an hour and plus. Totally. And, you know, that's one of the things that San Francisco, let's be honest, if you're in San Francisco, you're not easily making it to the game. That's yeah. a journey. Uh, I agree. One of the appeals with that, with um, New Orleans, was the fact that you can be in Bourbon Street 20 minutes after the game's finished, which is brilliant. I think the one other one that gets a special mention for me, if I'm coming into it and I'm picking a team, uh, you won't agree with me, I'm sure, but the Atlanta Falcons, I think that that stadium looks magnificent. But also the fact that they've gone for the low-priced food inside the stadium, I think is brilliant. They're very focused on the fan experience, the match day experience, and that's something that you can't turn your nose up at either. They're very smart. The other one that I, that I admitted, which is bizarre because it's one of the places that's high on my list, is the Colts. I mean, yeah. that stadium looks like the business. And I've been lucky enough to be at the Houston Astros baseball stadium, which basically takes the old railroad building and it's you know assumed into the whole stadium and it is unbelievable you walk through what used to be you know the concourse area and it's part seamlessly part of the baseball stadium and to take you know what they've taken and have the retractable roof um the coach would have to get a shout for in terms of venue yeah indianapolis is the other good thing about indianapolis i've been there a couple of times for the the combine and everything's all They've got like walkways that go between the hotels and effectively you walk out on the street right next to the stadium. So you don't, you know, if it's December, you don't need to worry about 
being in a snowstorm, you just walk from your hotel and then appear at the stadium and it's there. So that works well. And then that's the last point to probably cover on this as well, about positives, um, is the party town central. We obviously got the mention from uh, Matt at the top of the air, who said, based on his love of the music, it would be the Titans. You know, Nashville's definitely going to be up there. New Orleans party town is going to be up there. And when the Raiders go to Vegas, they will pick up people. Because if you're in Vegas and there's a football game on, damn right you're going. I'm going to go. Yeah, I, I think I am as well. Well, if I can get permission, I'll come along. <laughs> That's for sure. But it is, it's incredible. But I mean, I think, you know, most places have got something unique about them. And let's be honest, we'd love to sample every stadium there. I mean, I collect baseball stadiums because that's where I'm on holiday in the States. I've got, you know, a collection of baseball stadiums, but uh, something we can ask people, how many NFL stadiums have they actually been to? I mean, I've been to more NFL stadiums not to see a game because I've been in that city. I was in Seattle once for basically a visit um, and the guys went off to see the Space Needle and I went off to see the two stadiums because it's another stadium that's on the list. So yeah, I love going to visit stadiums. The flip to this is the bad teams. Are there any franchises that you think are so... I'm not going to say bad because there's an appeal to the underdog. It's not about being a bad franchise, but is there any ones like maybe the Lions with their stadium that are just so meh that you think are unlikely to pick anybody up? Well, it's always interesting when you go down to Wembley and you see all the jerseys. The Titans don't seem to get a lot of love. That's one franchise, perhaps because they're a little bit newer. We don't see a lot of... Titans jerseys, the Browns we're going to see a lot more uh, as, as they become fashionable. You always see the New York, the Bills, the East Coast teams seem to be well represented. I think it does tend to be sometimes the teams just in that little middle bit that, that do get missed out. You don't see a great deal of Colts fans, to be honest. Um, so I don't think there's anybody I would rule out necessarily uh, in, for, for those reasons. But yeah, I wouldn't mind collecting as many stadiums as I could. I think the only ones for me that perhaps are just meh is probably the best way to describe it. Just middle road. Lions, for me, just feel like Cincinnati. Detroit. Yeah, the Bengals. The only thing with the Bengals is the uniform. You either really like that uniform or you hate it. If you really like it, it's quite smart. Um, the, the two LA teams, for me, if you look at what they are as a team, they're exciting to watch. But I guess maybe, maybe I just have it built into me that I, LA is a city that doesn't appeal to me. It's a mass sprawling city that I'm not necessarily all that enamoured with. Get the Chargers back down to San Diego and that that would be it. I've, I've been to Qualcomm. I mean, it wasn't the nicest of places I saw the Padres play there, but that, you know, the powder blue uniform, they've got the best uniform in the league. I detest seeing them in Los Angeles. I'd so want them to go back to San Diego. Yeah, and maybe it's as well because they're playing at the Rose Bowl, the Rams. It just feels like it's not their home. Maybe when they get their own stadium, it'll be different. I, mm, yeah, yeah. And, and they've got iconic jerseys as well. They've got the blue and yellow. They've got the black and white stripes. They've got a lot of good uniforms. The the only one I would say, and it's not, it's not because they're met or anything like that. They're very good. But if you're just getting into the sport just now, I think you have to have a really good reason to become a Patriots fan. You have to have like a tie to Boston or something. But even the stuff we talked about there of like a party central, Foxborough's well out of the way. You know, I, I went to the AFC Championship game as much as I regret that decision. <laughs> they, it was like a good hour-long bus journey from where we were staying in Providence, I think it was, to get to the stadium. And it's so far out of the way that it kind of takes away from that party atmosphere. And it's just it just feels wrong to 
start out supporting the best team and the best team over the past two decades, basically. The, the Man U option. Yeah. But although that's not really that, it's now the Man City option. Um, right. I think that concludes that then. Lots to talk about. Do get in touch and share your thoughts. We would love to hear how many different NFL stadiums you've been to. Um, let's see who can win that particular comp- competition. I've seen matches in three. That's all I can think of. Well, I've visited more than that, but not seen games there. So well, it'll be two categories. Stadiums you've visited and stadiums you've seen games in. You must have seen a few. Uh, four is my total. Haven't been, I think it's now about nine years since I went to a game, though. <gasps> We'll have to fix that. We'll get them on the <laughs> NFL Scotland tour next year. Absolutely. Vegas or Indianapolis, here we come. <laughs> so the season tickets for the Spurs Stadium went on sale last week. And since then, um, it's been interesting. I think there's been challenges again. There didn't seem to be technical hitches necessarily. That there was A few people seem to have tickets in their basket. And Ticketmaster perhaps have a lot of room for improvement. Um but from most of it, we haven't seen a huge amount of people, certainly on our Twitter feed, telling us that they didn't get tickets. It's certainly looking better. I, I mean, whether you're a fan of Ticketmaster or not, um, it tends to be if you get tickets, you think it's been okay. If you don't get tickets, it's not been okay. Uh, I still think there are issues, and I think the NFL UK are going to look at these again because I think it's a real groundswell of people just wanting a fairer ticketing system that's all that's all they want and i said it on the last pod and i'll say it again here i think they've been caught out by the number of people that are trying to go to all four games we asked this on twitter actually we put uh, a vote out and said the tottenham season tickets did you want and get want but didn't get you're waiting for singles and general rage option because it has to be in there general rage option got the most votes as you can imagine with 31 percent because whilst a lot of people 16 percent got uh, it said 24 percent said that they wanted but didn't get um so actually there is a fair percentage there but 29 percent saying that they're waiting for single tickets so shows that there is still going to be a big demand um and i think one of the things that we don't know yet is how many tickets are actually going to be made available for those single sales be interesting to see obviously that comes out later this month and we wish everyone all the best but still ticket massive more than anything room for improvement i think it's such a tough thing as well because when you look at the season ticket option it's great to have a loyal fan base that wants to go to four games every single year. But when you've got people coming from Scotland, from elsewhere around the UK, from places in Europe, it's a significant investment to say you're going to go to four games because you've got the transport to get there, the accommodation, all that stuff. So it's trying to find that balance between rewarding your loyal customers and also not alienating the people who are loyal, but they're only coming to one game a year. Yeah, I'm just wondering if there can be a membership scheme or, you know, your ticket points where some football clubs operate that. I mean, Scotland operate that for their their away games. You know, if you've been to certain games, depending on the category, you get points. And uh, sometimes you're forced to go to Kazakhstan and places (laughs) like that. Uh, I think there's got to be a better way. And I think if the NFL UK or anything, they are smart. And they will work something out because I think it would be good to see people rewarded. If you buy, you know, your season ticket, I get that it doesn't encourage you to go the following year and the following year. But you're right, coming from Scotland, if only one game is what you can get to, it's then a bit of a crapshoot to make sure. Uh, I mean, I've not got tickets yet, but I'm not fussy about which game I see. I just want to see a game. But if it's your team, then then the pressure comes on. Any other news items? taking your fancy then we've had um, 
The the Giants have confirmed that Eli Manning is the starter. I'm not sure that that's a news item. Uh, Cam Newton is uh, returned and is throwing the ball. Again, I'm not sure that's a oh, massive this news. Is, this, but he's changed his throwing motion. We always get one or two stories this time of year. And veteran quarterback who's been in the NFL for eight to ten years has changed his throwing motion and it's going to lead to all this more success. And then you get to September and he throws the ball the exact same way and has the same success he's had before. So it's so weird that they always focus on a player is going to, you know, he's changing this so far into his career because very rarely does it ever actually work that way. I mean, it is silly season. I mean, we, yeah. we, you know, and, and that's the problem. You do start to get all of these stories. I thought, interesting, the last week, Carson Wentz getting paid. What was your thoughts on that? I, I really like the way they've done it. So it's an extension, but it's not something that kicks in right away. So this year he's still on his rookie contract. Next year he's on the fifth year option, which I think is about twenty-two million. And it's that following year when all of a sudden he jumps up to his thirty-two million average. The two reasons why I like it—that's three years down the line. So odds are thirty-two million is probably going to be somewhere in the top ten for quarterback salaries, but not right at the top. And two, I wonder if there's a little bit of gamesmanship there with Dallas, in the sense that that's now going to push the price up for Dak Prescott which means they have less money to spend on guys like Amari Cooper. Are they going to spend money on Ezekiel Elliott? Things like that. I think they've done it to try and try and force the Cowboys' hand there. So I like that. There's always a bit of subterfuge somewhere along the line, and I think that's quite clever. Now, interesting couple of stories that I looked at. The Monday morning quarterback were talking that I think SI had written an article that the NFL and the Players Association should start negotiating the collective bargaining agreement now to try and avoid it going close to a deadline and sides falling out. I would have just thought that was common sense, get around the table and just start negotiations early. Yeah, you would think so. I mean, last time we had the lockout and it very nearly um, pushed into the regular season. So you would think they want to avoid that, especially because there has been a little bit more tension between owners and players over the last couple of years. Um, So it does give me a little bit of pause that we might see some form of um, disruption with the season when it comes time. I think the other noticeable one, Kyle Rudolph from the Vikings has got an extended deal. He's one of these players you just expect him to do more. Is that fair? Yeah, I think that he's he's a he's a quality tight end and it's a position where there's not a huge depth of talent um, for the money as well. I think it's saving them uh, something like four million in cap space which is obviously a good move. They've tied him up for a while. There seemed to be a bit of chat about trading him. Tends not to be a lot of trades at this time of the year. I think at this time, people have still got their full roster. Unless there's an an injury or a massive gap that's very obvious, it's unlikely to see people trading. So for the Vikings, they get their tight end. For Rudolph, he's got his uh, a bit long-term security. Uh, and now he's got to work on building that relationship with Kirk Cousins in year two. Yeah, I, I think it, it makes sense from the sense that they save a little bit of money in cap room. And I think, I haven't seen anything official without it's broken down, but I would imagine it probably doesn't have a lot of long-term liability and it's something that he probably gets some more money up front just now and in two years' time, they can probably cut him without having um, a lot of dead money in the cap. I mean, this is how it works, isn't it? I mean, the contract almost isn't worth the paper that it's written on. I mean, it's such a strange sport for that. Yeah, that might be something that changes in the next um, CBA as well. And I think the the interesting thing, I I saw someone tweet this last week and I really quite agree with it. If you're a veteran player in the NFL, if you're a quarterback especially, you should probably probably be looking at a three-year contract 
Because if you're mid-20s and you get a three-year contract, your team are more likely to guarantee the full three years because they're not committing to something five, six years down the line. And three years down the line, you're then going to be able to jump into where the market has been reset at. If you're a quarterback and sign a five-year deal at 30 million a year just now, in three years' time, that's probably going to be 15th in the NFL. So there's probably some value in, in players actually starting to look at shorter-term, more guaranteed deals. I think we're seeing a little bit of this coming in baseball as well. It's just the the way it's moving. I mean, not being funny, if somebody gives you a three-year deal, 20 million a year, and you technically bank 60, you pay your agent, you know, you're going to be well off for life. You actually shouldn't need to earn another penny. So it is a way of backing yourself to say, well, that's my deal. And then in three years, I'll go again. Now, in three years, you might be finished. But if I've got 60 million to start with, and even if I slightly overspend in certain areas, you should still have at least half of that left somewhere. So you should be able to go off and ride off into the sunset and be be quite happy. It's just, it's all, I find the contract side quite fascinating. Yeah, I think I would take being finished with 60 million. I'd, I'd be fine with that. Like a three-year career in 60 million and done, I'm okay. Right, so I think that pretty much rounds up everything for the news then. Just a couple of things to let you know about that we're working on for the season ahead. Uh, we've mentioned this a few times already, but we will once again be running our weekly pick on competition. Um, we are working on a prize for that, so stay tuned. But as soon as the details and sign up for that become available, we will be sharing it. We had about 150 people take part. Um, and this year as well, because... The things with pickums is you can very quickly go off the boil and realise that you're not going to win the whole thing. You pick bad, you pick bad. This year we're actually going to have a two-tiers competition. We're going to have a competition for the overall winner. We're also going to put anybody that completes every single week. And if you complete every single week, you'll go into another draw and you'll win a prize. So there'll be one for just turning up. You know, that's the most Scottish thing that we can possibly do. Just for turning up every week and making your picks. So don't miss a week. We'll put a reminder out. We'll be sharing our pick six selections across the whole NFL Scotland team. We'll all be taking part in it. But just by turning up and picking, you could go into the draw for something. I love the participation medal <laughs> idea. That, that, is, that is genius. The Nations League of the NFL Scotland part. <laughs> Uh, the one other thing that we are working on, but we can confirm, we've not got any details at the moment, but we've obviously got our week one live event that will be taking place in Edinburgh. We are working on and we are uh, we have confirmed though with our sponsors for next year, we will be doing an event, a live event in Glasgow this year. Should be great, looking forward to going there and then we'll see where we can go thereafter, but Edinburgh and Glasgow will be brilliant. Just one final thing, a little shout out to the CFL that starts this week. And a really nice touch by the league. Now, they had to wait till the basketball uh, game five finished to see whether Toronto would see it through. They have brought forward the kickoff for their first game by 30 minutes to allow it to finish before the Raptors play in game six. So there'll be no conflict across the country. They realise what a big deal the Raptors are. They want the best possible launch and they want people to be able to watch the basketball. That's nice work by the CFL. Common sense. It'll never catch on. Definitely not. <laughs> well, that concludes everything then for episode 55. We hope you've enjoyed listening. And again, we'd love to hear your feedback, good and bad. Make sure that you follow us on Twitter at ScotlandNFL and on Facebook, www.facebook.com forward slash ScotlandNFL.
Thanks to all of you who have been listening, sharing and chatting about the podcast. We continue to see the numbers grow each and every week. Please do keep sharing the podcast with all your NFL friends and continue to let us know what you think. Thanks again to Gordon for joining us and helping fill these dark football-free months. We'll be back again in a couple of weeks to discuss all the latest news and start really looking forward to the 2019 season. At least we have the CFL to watch, but until then, bye for now.